0: Well, we're spending time here this month going through this, ser- this series called Need a Jumpstart. And basically, what we're trying to do is we're trying to re examine important areas in our lives and how it is that we can better encourage and honor one another and thus honor God. giving him the glory. And uh, the first week of the series, we looked at relationships and how ultimately we looked at when Jesus was confronted and given uh, this, this question, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responds with a singular question with a plural answer, right? Love God and love others and how they're very much intertwined. How it is that when we love God, we are then loving others. And then to love others is to love God, that they are really one and the same. And how we can better honor one another and thus glorify God in our relationships with each other, and with God. And then last week, we looked at how it is that we can approach our finances, but more specifically, that which we come across in abundance. And when I mean abundance, we looked at the parable, the parable of the rich farmer that Jesus shared to the crowd that had gathered, and how he had received an abundance. So year after year, he had received a certain amount of crop, and as such, he'd been storing that crop in the barns that he had, But then this one year, he received a surplus. He received an abundance of crop. And his solution, instead of going to God and saying, why do I have an abundance, and then what do you want me to do with it, He instead decides that I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build even bigger ones in order to store what it is that I received in abundance. And how, as such, we need to constantly ask God, God, what is it that you want me to do with what you've given me? Oswald Chambers says that worship is best defined as giving God the best of what he's given us. And so how is it that we are truly giving him the best of what he's given us. And then today we're going to talk about how we can, how we can create a jumpstart, or rather uh, experience a jumpstart in our lives in the area of addiction, of addiction. Now I want to say right off the bat that when we hear the word addiction, we understandably attribute that word to, you know, kind of like the big-ticket items of addiction, right? Drugs, alcohol, pornography, gambling. We immediately start thinking about those things. Now, that very well may be true for some of us here, but there are other things in our lives, other areas of our lives that we become addicted to, and really what we're boiling this down to is anything that takes the sole focus of our lives that we take away from God and we give it to something else. Anything that we've decided we, we need in our lives, we find some sort of enjoyment or we find some sort of satisfaction or, or we receive some sort of kind of feigned peace. Anything in our lives that we take away from God and give to something else, that is in addiction so that can be any number of things and what i want to do here today is really use this rock as a symbol of the addictions in our lives and we're going to examine a little bit as to how it is that we can understand addictions but then ultimately break free from the cycle and chains of our addictive behaviors so as, as is the case, and a lot of times when I approach topics like this, you know, one of the things that I want to do is I want to look at definitions because there can be a lot to be said in definitions. So when we look at the definition of addiction, we see that it's an enthusiastic devotion to a particular thing or activity. Now, we use the word addicted or, uh, you know, addiction. We kind of sometimes use it flippantly, right? I, I might say I'm addicted to coffee. That actually might be true. Um, or you might say, I'm, I'm addicted to uh, having my heart broken by the Vikings every year. You, you know, whatever it is that we, we tend to do that, don't we? We use this word flippantly. But, the, but there's an interesting word in the definition, and that is enthusiastic. And the definition of enthusiastic is an intense and eager enjoyment interest or approval and so an addiction really is this this behavior that gives approval to something that ultimately brings us harm but really takes our focus and our priority away from god and gives it to something else that we're doing that and thus giving approval to that in our lives So today we're specifically looking at addictions that produce harm in our lives and in the lives of others. And those addictions which dishonor God and disable our ability to know him more and more deeply. But not just recognizing these addictions, but ultimately we're going to discover how we can break free from these addictions and the cycle in which these addictions are realized and take place. And as is the case with any good message on a Sunday morning, there's three steps, right? But there's actually three steps, right? There's three steps, I believe, in breaking free from the cycle of addiction. We're going to look at these three. I want to say this right off the bat, that two of them are a bit obvious, but one is, I think, the one that we often fail to really grasp or realize and thus we find ourselves perpetuating the cycle but if we can see this through to the very end I believe that we can discover something that could be quite powerful now with any addiction in our lives we carry it with us right and we try, we try to go about our lives and go about our business fooling ourselves, thinking that this isn't here, thinking that we're, that we, we're not addicted to something or that there isn't something that we're trying to carry. But oftentimes it, it, it is futile because it becomes um, uncomfortable for us, much like this rock, where it, it is actually very heavy. And I have to carry it or hold it, rather, with both hands because one arm is not going to cut it if you want me to make it through this message. And as such, it can also be obvious to other people, too. When we have addictive behaviors or addictions in our lives, you know, we think that we're fooling people. But a lot of times they're like, no, you're you're really not. And so the first step, the first step in breaking free from the cycle of addiction is to admit it. Admit it. Now, when we make a mess of things, we struggle with admitting that it's ours. Now, this might be a little dated now. I don't know how real it is in elementary schools and middle schools now, but uh, for me, Shel Silverstein was big back when I was in elementary school. You, you raise your hand if you know who Shel Silverstein is. Yep, where the sidewalk ends, all right, um, poems and all that kind of stuff, and kind of like the uh, Dr. Seuss-like writer. Anyways, he wrote this poem. It's called Messy Room. And it is, a, it is a deep and profound poem. And I want to share it with you. Whosoever room this is should be ashamed. His underwear is hanging on the lamp. His raincoat is there in the overstuffed chair. And the chair is becoming quite mucky and damp. His workbook it's wedged in the window. His sweater has been thrown on the floor. His scarf and one ski are beneath the TV, and his pants have been carelessly hung on the door. His books are all jammed in the closet. His vest has been left in the hall. A lizard named Ed is asleep in his bed, and, he's, and his smelly old sock has been stuck to the wall. Whoseever room this is should be ashamed. Donald or Robert or Willie or... Huh? You say it's mine? Oh dear, I knew it looked familiar. That's what we do. That's what we do in our addictions and our addicted behavior. You see, it's way too easy to ignore our addiction and instead start pointing our fingers at other people like Donald or Robert or Willie. But we cannot begin to deal with the mess in our lives or these addictions unless we're willing to accept responsibility for creating it in the first place. But why is this so hard to do? Why is it often so hard to freely admit these things? Well, not being able to admit our addiction, it largely comes from shame. Shame. Now shame is not feeling bad about what you've done, but feeling bad about who you are. We feel shame because we largely then think that we're bad. There's a a, a story um, by uh, uh, Victor Hugo, you may have heard, called Les Miserables. It was uh, obviously a book, and then it was made into a, a musical, and then uh, a major motion picture, and I love the musical. I had been seeing versions of that musical since I was in high school, and I was a, I was a uh, college theater student, and that was like my dream, my dream uh, show to be in, and I wanted to be the character Jean Valjean so much. Now, I've given up that dream but that character jean Valjean is an interesting one and if you don't know the story at the beginning he's imprisoned he's in he's in that like kind of this work camp jail and he has a number he doesn't have a name his, his number is 24601 there's a song about it 24601 oh, i won't bore you with that right now but anyways he he's released from prison but when he's released from prison he's given a piece of paper and he has to carry that piece of paper with him. And it basically says that he used to be a convict. It's like he's on parole for the rest of his life, right? Or probation for the rest of his life. And so when any, anybody could come up to him at any point and say, show me that piece of paper. And he has to show it to them. And it's like a badge of shame that if he was to be without it, he would be imprisoned once again. Well, maybe like Jean Valjean, you are also carrying around this badge of shame. Maybe you've got it, you've got it tucked away in your pocket. And it's always, it's always there, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you're constantly aware of its presence. And to you, it's become your defining characteristic. And you believe that, that that's how everyone else sees you as you carry this badge of shame. But let me contrast that with something. Jack Miller, he's a Presbyterian pastor, he says, he says, cheer up. You're a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine, and you're more loved than you ever dared hope. You're more loved than you ever dared hope. See, grace Grace defined as the unmerited favor that God gives us that which we do not deserve, grace is at odds with shame. See shame inflames your unworthiness, but grace cures it. Romans chapter 3 verse 24 says we are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You see, you are worthy. You are worthy. See, we need not feel shame. Shame ultimately leads to silence. It causes us to shut ourselves up. But there's actually great freedom to be found in, in coming to terms with our addiction, Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, "Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy." So we've got we to talk openly. We need to ex- admit of this addiction that we have in our lives, and to talk then, first openly with God. Because mercy and compassion, they go hand in hand. James 4.8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. We need to openly share with God and know that when we do, he will always speak truth to us through mercy and compassion. But there's also something else we should do not only understand yes okay we are unworthy but because of god and his son jesus christ and the sacrifice that jesus became we are worth it grace trumps shame but we also need to freely admit to god hey god this is what i'm struggling with but we also need to admit to each other we need to We need to admit to trusted people, hey, this is what I'm carrying. See, the enemy wants nothing more than to keep you isolated. But that's not what God wants. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor And if either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The enemy wants you to believe that you don't have any worth. That's largely the enemy's goal. But God wants you to know that you are worth it. You're worth it. But we need to admit our addictions to ourselves, to God, and to others. We need to bring it out into the light. Have you ever tried to fix something at home in pitch black darkness? That would be ridiculous. What do we do? We shine a light on it. As a matter of fact, we put a spotlight on it so that we can see it better. We need to bring these things out in the light. We need to admit it. The next step in breaking free from our addictions is to literally release our grip from it. We need to release it. We need to... Not only recognize that we, yes, have this addiction, we need to admit it to God, we need to admit it to others, we need to understand the difference between shame and grace, and embrace the fact that we're worth it, but we need to release it, we need to let it go. A number of years ago, I was working um, uh, for an asphalt company, and I was driving this two-ton truck with a big trailer in the back and as i'm driving down 35w i look in my side view mirror and i see that one of the ramps has fallen down and is being drug on the asphalt and sparks are flying everywhere needless to say not a good situation right so I pull over on the side of the freeway and there are cars just breezing by and there's a sense of urgency that I have and I'm not really thinking clearly and I get out and I run to the back of the trailer and I pick up that ramp. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> that, that really touched me there. <laughs> and it sizzled in my hand. Oh, thank you again. <laughs> But what did i do i let it go right away (laughs) right away i didn't contemplate it i didn't wonder what i should do i released it right away when we hold something that hurts us our immediate impulse is to release it why is it then that we often hold on to these addictions even though they hurt us even though they bring us great discomfort and pain Even though they cause chasms in our relationships with one another and with God, why do we hold on to these things? You see, just like something that is burning hot, we need to release our addictions. We need to literally put it down. Romans chapter 13 verse 12 says, The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. One of the things that we forget when we talk about releasing our addictions, because that's really easy for me to say. It's very easy for me to say up here on the stage that we need to put down the addictions in our lives. But one of the things that we don't do when we release it is then replace it with the light and truth of God a lot of times we put down our addictions and we leave our hand empty able then at any moment to reach down and to pick that back up again but that's not what Paul is saying here in Romans he's saying put aside the deeds of darkness release it and then instead put on the armor of light When we release our addiction, we need to replace it with the light. We need to replace the lies of addiction with the truth of God. So the lie that says you're not loved, the lie that says you should spend the entirety of your life in guilt and shame, we need to replace that with the truth of God where he says, I love you so much that I died for you. Not for you to feel guilty, but for you to be set free We need to take the lie that says one more mistake and you'll never be loved again. And we need to replace that with the truth of God where he says no matter how much you relapse, no matter how much you struggle, I still love you I always will. We need to take the lie that says you're going to have to figure this all out on your own and we instead need to replace that with the truth of God that says let me connect my yoke to you and carry your burden. We need to take the lie that you will never ever be set free from this and we need to replace it with the truth that says I came to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free and I want to set you free. And we need to take the lie that says you will never find peace. And we need to replace that with the truth that says I know you're confused. I know you're overwhelmed. I know you're afraid. But I can bring you everlasting peace. The truth of God will always overcome the lies of addiction. But when we release the addiction, we need to replace it with the truth of God. And just as we talked about a couple weeks ago, we have to do that every day because we're so fickle, because we are human, because we forget what we did 10 minutes ago, let alone a day or a week or a month or a year ago. We need to replace the lies of addiction with the truth and light. Of God but then the final step and I mentioned this at the beginning of the message the final step is largely one that we either forget or don't realize or really don't truly embrace so not only do we need to admit it we need to admit that there that addictions there we need to admit that to ourselves to God and to others But then we need to release it, right? We need to release it and instead hold on to the truth of God. But then the third and most important part is we need to run away from it. We have to run away from it. The Bible tells us that when we are tempted, we must flee. We must flee we got to run away. We have to escape. Now, two reasons why that's so important. One is temptation is not something that we stumble upon. Temptation is something that's actually actively seeking for us, seeking after us. So we see that in 1 Peter 5, 8, where it says, Be alert, be of sober mind, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I tell you what, if I came across a lion, unless it's Simba, I'm running away. Right? It's so vital that we understand this facet of temptation that it is actively seeking us. That we can't just release it and kind of hang around and think that we're never going to go back to it again. We have to flee. But the other reason why it's so important to run away from temptation, and I want you to, this is one of the most important parts of today's message, and I really want you to hear this part. When we run away from temptation... When we run away from temptation, it is the very act of running towards God. When we run away from temptation that is actively seeking us out to devour us, when we turn away from that and we run away, it is the very act of running towards God. The Greek word for repentance is a word, metonia. And this word basically means to turn around. Do a 180, a complete turn. Turning from something and instead turn towards something completely different so when we run away from temptation we are running towards god and thus we are living out an act of obedience we are pursuing righteousness which is a right relationship with god and the cool thing about obedience is that to obey god is to literally grow closer to him See obedience to Christ, obedience to God, creates and then sustains our relationship with Him. But by obedience, I don't want you to hear a "have to" obedience. That's not what I'm talking about here. We're not talking about being afraid of the consequences because you've disobeyed. But rather, we're talking about the "get to" obedience, the "get to" obedience. That is a a voluntarily joyful obedience. It's gratitude expressed for what He did, for what He does in us, and how we get to freely and joyfully serve Him. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it is all about the get to. (laughs) It's all about the get to. Because we could have been left in our prison of sin and addiction. And this is the gift of God given to us through an act of grace. That which we don't deserve. But because of God's love, we are worth it. We're worth it. And so the silence that comes from our shame should not be the mantra of our lives, but rather we should freely admit to God and to others that which we are carrying. And then actively, we need to release that and then replace that with the truth of God, the truth of His Word, the truth of His love, the truth of our worth in Him. And then we got to run away from it. We gotta actively run away knowing that we run away from temptation, we are literally running towards God in obedience because we get to serve a God that loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. That is how we can truly break that cycle of addiction in our lives. Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. A complete acknowledgement and surrender to Him. I want to read together these last few verses out loud as a church here this morning, as a declaration of what it is that we've talked about here today, what we've heard. Let's share this together with God. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. Starting with verse 11, let's read together out loud. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, eager to do what is good. Amen.